This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Good, because it's Throbtober, and we're watching one of my favorite October movies and Halloween movies, because it's so atmospheric and awesome, Black Sunday. You know what I just realized? Hmm. We're doing an episode every day this month. Yeah. And we say joined as I am every week. You're joined as you are every day this month. <laughs> I know, it's just like my OCD kicks in of just like, that's that's the intro, that's what I have to say. No, I'm not complaining, but I just realized, I'm like, you, you've you been joined by me for 31 days, my friend. You're, yeah, you, you're tired of me by now. You're sick of us. <laughs> but yeah, so Black Sunday, this is a wild time, this is the first time watch for me. Oh good, really? Okay, yeah, this yeah. is one, um, and, uh, fuck, what's it, um, Martin Scorsese, wasn't he the one going off on, like, watching movies on your phone, and he hates the Marvel movies and stuff? Oh, yeah, I know he's the anti-Marvel guy. He pro- yeah, I know he's the one who hates Netflix, too, and everything like yeah. that, so yeah, probably. He would hate how I saw this, fo- this uh, for the very first time, as I was at work, and I watched it on my f- iPhone. <laughs> there you go. But that goes to show you how good this movie is, because even that, like, I did the same thing with Night of the Demons, and, like, I hated it the first time I saw it, you know? Um, yeah. But this one is like, oh, this one actually holds up, even on a tiny little phone when you have to keep pausing it, because they make you, you keep doing your job. <laughs> this job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. I just want to look at Barbara Steele. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so... Black Sunday, directed by Mario Bava, from 1960 or 1961? I keep seeing 60 everywhere. I'm thinking it's 60 because of what we actually find out in the thing that's just coming up in a minute of the U.S. release was in 61. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Which is a nice little segue. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to talk about it here because Troy Howarth, who is, you know, like on Pawn Stars, who are like, I don't know a lot about this, but I know an expert who knows a lot about this. Yeah, where it's like, oh, uh, you brought in this, like, ancient brass buckle. We have an expert on ancient brass buckles. Yeah, so we have that for Italian horror. Our friend Troy Howarth, he's been on the show a couple times. He's going to come on here and talk about Black Sunday with us for a little bit before we get into our running through the plot of it all. So I guess we'll just jump to that now, right? Yes, and here he is. All right, Troy, welcome back. For those who don't know, Troy has been on the show a couple times. He's the author of many books on Italian horror, John Carpenter, everything else. Do you want to give the people a little background about yourself? Uh, well, it's not much fun talking about yourself, but um, <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been a horror buff and a movie buff for really all my life. And uh, uh, the very first book I actually wrote um, back when I was in college uh, was actually on Mario Bava, who is the director of the movie we're here to talk about. Brett's been on me forever about doing Bava, and he was also very <laughs> insistent that I call you for this episode. He's like, we got to do it, we got to make sure Troy can come on at the beginning of it. <laughs> I remember the very first episode we had you on at the very end. It's like It was like the last like two seconds Black Sunday came up, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh yeah, I love Black Sunday. It's like, oh, we got to do that one. And then again on Deep Red, it was like, remember Black Sunday? You're like, oh yes, yes, yes. I love this movie. 
like this it puts me like 100 percent in like the october halloween mood i watch it every october mm-hmm. i just love the atmosphere of it the whole witch stuff the castle's creepy um when uh oh what was the guy um your vuto oh your vintage your vintage yes when he's driving the carriage yeah, yeah. that's so like it's just so awesome yeah the cool goth carriage yeah 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 no it's uh it's it's an impressive piece of work a lot of people think it's the best thing that he directed it was his first um official film as a director he had ample experience before that having rescued various films for other directors that have been abandoned or you know, whatever um but uh it's it's not my favorite of his films but i do like it a lot and yes it is an ideal halloween film it does have the ideal atmosphere for that time of year so it's not surprising to me it's a movie that comes up a lot as a, a favorite among horror buffs i'm glad you brought that up because that was my number one question i wanted to ask you because this is listed technically as his directorial debut but am i correct that he actually like secretly directed before this Oh, many times, many, many times. He was a, um, well, uh, by way of background, uh, you know, he is, his father had been a cinematographer back in the silent era. Um, so, and, and also a, a special effects artist. So he grew up surrounded by uh, all the mechanics of filmmaking. He learned everything he could possibly learn from his father before he went on and became a cameraman himself in the 40s. But he actually started off designing titles sequences Um which is actually something he would do on, on at least one or two of his films that he directed later on, like Hatchet for the Honeymoon. He did his own title sequence for that, designed it himself, um, and became a cameraman, uh, was was extremely, not only very, very good as a cameraman, one of the very best, actually, but also very fast. And because he had this background working with his father and having learned all the tricks of the trade, he had tremendous abilities with special effects. Um which were very cheap special effects. I mean, he was able to do things that hold up to this day that uh, still look very impressive that were done with, you know, pitifully poor means. Um, So he was a great bargain. Anybody who hired him knew that he was, you know, somebody who could really deliver the goods. Um, And there were a number of films that he was, um, you know, kind of an uncredited co-director on uh, the, the Hercules and Hercules Unchained, for example, the uh, Steve Reeves films from the late 50s. He ended up directing big chunks of those films. Um, he actually was the cinematographer and ended up taking over as director on the very first Italian horror film of the sound era, which is a movie called E. Vampiri from 1957, uh, released over here as The Devil's Commandment. Um, he, uh, you know, the, the original director on that was Ricardo Freda. Uh, who's a familiar name if you're into Italian Gothic horror films. He, he directed things like The Horrible Dr. Hitchcock and, and various other films. But um, Bava and he also collaborated on a movie called Kaltiki the Immortal Monster, which was kind of a, a blob-type film. And Bava directed the better part of that. Um, he directed the better part of a film called The Day the, Earth, uh, the, the, Day the Sky Exploded. Um, and uh, several other movies besides, including a big film uh, from 1959 called The Giant of Marathon, which is one of those sort of big sword and sandal movies. Uh, it was a bigger budgeted film, and it was directed by a guy named Jacques Tonner, who is well known for directing things like the original Cat People. Um, you know, it was a, a film that he directed in, in Italy in 59, uh, ran into a lot of production problems, and Bava took over directing that when, when Tonner kind of basically got pissed off and walked off the film. Um, 
he took over, directed it. And, and that was a big part of how Black Sunday came to be was because the producer of that film was so grateful to him for doing that. Um, you know, realized that Bava being a very kind of shy, unassuming person who didn't have a lot of drive and, and wasn't the kind of person who really was good at selling himself. He, he wanted to direct, but he just, you know, he needed that push. So this was an opportunity. They basically told him, well, you know, if you can, if you have a story you'd like to do, um, something that, you know, isn't going to cost like a ton of money, but we'll give you enough money to do it right. You know, we'll, we'll produce it for you. And so that's how this movie came to be. Well, oh, you wow. had mentioned about like the makeup and like the special effects and whatnot. And that's something that really does stick out to me of this was made in 1960. And like, of course the hammer movies in the fifties had done like blood and stuff. Like they moved on from the universal and actually started showing blood and whatnot. And it's in color, but this one, like you get the mask, like uh, smashing scene where they smash it on their face and all the blood mm-hmm. comes out of the eyes. You got an eyeball popping scene. You yeah. got a guy on fire. Like you got an early burn scene. Well, first ever ocular violence in an Italian horror movie is when the Dr. Kuvion character is uh, turned into a vampire and uh, the uh, John Richardson character um, stakes him through the eye. That's the kind of unusual mythology that's created for this film. You, you stake them through the eyes opposed to through the heart. Um, so that was something that Lucio Fulci ended up doing a lot of in later <laughs> films, uh, obviously. Oh, yeah. Famously, but in a lot of films, too. Um, yeah, I mean, Hammer was a big influence in a way. Um, Hammer's first films uh, with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing that had come out in the late 50s, Curse of Frankenstein and Dracula, had been very successful. Um, a, a movie with Vincent Price, a 3D movie from the earlier part of the decade called House of Wax was another big influence. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, House of Wax was sold in Italy as uh, the Wax Mask, and uh, Hammer's Curse of Frankenstein was sold in Italy as uh, the the Mask of Frankenstein. So the oh. Italian title for this movie is uh, La Maschera del Demonio, or the Mask of Satan, Mask of the Demon. So that was all kind of connecting in there as well. But what Bava was able to do, um, he's he's going with that same kind of you know progressive attitude towards the blood and gore. There's a kind of sensuality to it as well, a little bit of sexuality that's that's in the movie that's uh, also typical of the period. But it's in black and white, and it's got this kind of a Grimm's fairy tale kind of a quality, so it kind of feels in a way a little bit like an old-school 30s universal horror film, but with all the uh, up-to-date stuff that was only permissible in the early 60s. And in fact, um, the blood and, and the violence of the film, which is nothing now, I mean, it, you could show it on cut on TV, but it did get the movie cut in the in America when it first came out over here in February of 1961, and in the United Kingdom, um, it was actually banned until 1968. Wow! Uh, so that's uh, it was pretty far ahead of the curve in that sense. Well, you kind of touched on it already, but the title change I was going to ask about it was the Mask of Satan, the English translation originally, yeah. and then it's Black Sunday here. Was that just because we were in like that? Hayes Code era where you couldn't get away with as much that they just had to change the title or was there another reason behind it? I think they just thought it would be a catchy title, which it is. I mean, Black Sunday, and of course it caused confusion later on because there's a movie uh, uh, from the 70s uh, with Robert Shaw and Bruce Dern called Black Sunday, which is about a terrorist uh, trying to bomb the um, the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, people get confused which movie you're talking about sometimes. It's the, no, no, it's the Mario Bava movie or it's the one with the... Uh, the blimp that's going to explode the, uh, the, Super Bowl. <laughs> um, the, the Italian title, the Mascara del Demonio translates technically as mask of the demon. 
um, but they prepared an export version called The Mask of Satan. But when American International ended up buying the rights, um, they made a lot of changes to the film. They changed the music, they changed the dub, they changed, uh, you know, some of the editing. And they put that new title on it. And I think they, you know, it just seemed to be a good evocative title. And uh, there, there could have been, you know, some nervousness about name checking Satan uh, in a movie, um, you know, that bluntly at that time. This is 1961. So it's, it's a, you know, a decade off of movies like, you know, Blood on Satan's Claw and things like that, where, where things got a little bit more permissive. So that might have played into it, too. Another one that I always, for some reason, I'll be talking about Black Sunday and I accidentally say Black Sabbath all the time, Mm -hmm. which I actually just discovered today is another Bava film. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, American International um, had purchased Black Sunday, I think. I think they bought it for like one hundred thousand dollars, which, you know, was was a steal. They made a lot of money off of it. It was very successful at the box office. It was not successful in Italy. Most of Bava's films were not popular in Italy. Uh, because horror films, Italian horror films, didn't tend to do well in Italy until Dario Argento came along. It's for whatever reason, Italian audiences tend to reject uh, Italian horror films. They were fine with Hammer movies. Uh, they were fine with, you know, the Universal stuff, American stuff. You know, the Roger Corman Poe movies were very, very successful in Italy. Um, but they didn't tend to like homegrown horror movies. Oh. Uh, they, they tended to think that, you know, what do Italians know about horror? It's all sun and romance and wine and... You know, why should uh, people like this be making horror movies? It's ridiculous. So um, it, it didn't do great in Italy, but it did very well in America. So American International uh, became very interested in Bava and, and kept an eye on his career. And they started co-investing and co-producing a couple of his later films. Like uh, uh, he did uh, the, effectively the first Jallo film, a movie called The Girl Who Knew Too Much um, with John Saxon, uh, which they bought and they put it out over here as Evil Eye. And then they got very involved in the making of what was in Italy, uh, Ichavolti della Paura, uh, or The Three Faces of Fear, uh, which was an anthology hosted by Boris Karloff. And, uh, you know, because AIP was involved, that's how they were able to get a big star like Boris Karloff involved. Um, he was you know, a pretty legendary actor at that time. I don't know how well known he is nowadays. Maybe he's not well known, but uh, at that time it was a big deal. And, um, they uh, again made a lot of changes to the film, but because Black Sunday had been so successful, um, they they wanted to keep with the theme, so they called it Black Sabbath, um, which actually in turn uh, was where the band got their name from. It was actually oh, it, it did come from the film. I think uh, I remember I don't remember if it was Ozzy or somebody you know saw the film um, and and liked the title and said, "Hey, let's use this," and so they did. Well, that's perfect. I always saw in interviews how Sabbath said that they wanted, they saw horror movies and thought it was great how people would want to go to a movie to get scared and they wanted to make the musical equivalent of that. So it makes sense that they took their name from one. Yeah, there's, there is a crossover between horror films and uh, especially metal music. I mean, a lot of a lot of metal bands really, really like Lucio Fulci, which is not surprising. Um, you know, and, and Argento as well and so forth. And of course, Argento was well known for using heavy metal music in his films and uh prog rock and stuff like that. And uh, even, you know, Bava coming from an older generation, being an older man uh, born in 1914. So he was, you know, already middle-aged by the time he starts directing. Um, But he, you know, in, in uh, the girl who knew too much and a later film uh, he did called $5 for an August moon, uh, he used rock music too. So, I mean, that was interesting, you know, before Argento kind of popularized that uh, he was, he was kind of setting some of those trends himself. 
Now, Barbara Steele in this, she's pulling double duty, which is impressive on its own. How much credit to her career is Black Sunday? Because I think she only did less than 10 things before this, if I'm right. So was Black Sunday a big help or just a stop along the way, do you think, for her? Well, she is an English actress, of course, and she had started off making English films. She'd done small parts in, in British films, along with her co-star in this movie, John Richardson. He was also English, and they both started out at the same time at rank in the 1950s. Um, they're actually, I think, in at least one film together prior to this. Um, I got to interview her for my book, and um, she told me about oh, wow. you know how they... Um, we're, we're given screen tests to be admitted into um, into the rank company over in England. And um, she said she had to do, you know, she had to learn lines and she had to do all this stuff. And, you know, she had to do a real screen test, whereas John Richardson was such a good looking guy that all they made him do was pose in a, a sailor's cap by a fireplace. And they hired him <laughs> right off the bat. He wasn't a very good actor, though. Unfortunately, he was he came close to being James Bond later. Actually, after Sean Connery left, he was very nearly James Bond. Thank God that didn't happen because uh, he just wasn't a very good actor, but uh, he looked good. Um, but Steele had actually um, uh, walked out of a movie with Elvis. Um, she'd been signed by uh, 20th Century Fox to do a movie. I think it's called The Flaming Star, where they decided they were going to dye her hair blonde and she was going to have to do an American accent. And she was going to play against uh, Elvis in this uh, Western. And she just, I don't want to do this. So she pretty much quit and, uh, you know, and got in a certain amount of trouble because she broke contract and everything. But she just went over to Italy because she was obsessed with the idea of making films for Fellini, uh, who was the big Italian director at that time. Um, she did end up working with him. But um, in the meantime, she just happened to be at the right place at the right time because she had that spooky look. I mean, she's not a conventionally beautiful woman, really. It, it, it's it's a strange thing. She's very striking, but it she really needs a director and a cinematographer who knows how to photograph her to really make her come to life. And uh, Bava certainly understood that. And that's why she looks fantastic as she does in this film. Um, but she was very, um, for years, resisted against this, this film and these other films that she did in Italy, the horror films, uh, because she was very, I think, rather resentful that she was typecast as a horror actress for years. But she seems to have made peace with it in more recent years. I think it's genius to cro to cast her because she has these striking huge eyes and yeah. there's a mask with nails in it going right into her face. Granted, it doesn't go through her eyes, but it's just terrifying and it's just a perfect match of that scene in her face. Yeah, she looks kind of like a Charles Adams drawing come to life. She's, she has a very unusual look to her. Um, if you see the other Italian films that she did in the 60s, other horror films and so forth, you, you can tell the... Uh, the directors and the cinematographers who didn't really know how to use her very well. Um, but she, she looks terrific in this. Um, she's, you know, she's put to good use and it's a great role for her because again, you're, you're playing both. It's the Madonna and the horror thing. You know, she's playing uh, the virtuous girl and she's also playing the evil witch. So she gets to play those two sides of the coin, which is a lot of fun for any actress. Uh, and she's, uh, you know, just beautifully supported the whole way through by the way that Bava photographs her and the way that he uses her, like her entrance in the film um, as um, Princess Katya when she shows up in the uh, framed in the doorway with the two dogs on the leash. You know, it's just a tremendously evocative image. Uh, and of course, you know, when she has the mask hammered onto her face at the beginning of the film, which is a very shocking scene for 1960. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a great calling card for her, and it obviously it created a career for her, but it wasn't the career that she wanted. So I think it was something she had a lot of difficulties adjusting to for a long time. Now, I was wondering, because I love uh, this movie a lot, but I've not seen any other Mario Bava movies. What would you recommend next? Oh, uh, there, God, I mean, I think all of his films are worth seeing, but there, there are different types of films and different, my, my favorite Baba film is a movie called Lisa and the Devil. Okay. Um, but that's not for all tastes. It's a very surreal film. It's rather slow and it's, it's just, it's an odd movie, but I really love it. Um, he did a very realistic kidnapping thriller late in his career and attempt to kind of, you know, reestablish himself a little bit as a, a more modern director because the Gothic stuff wasn't popular anymore movie called rabbit dogs um which exists in two edits do not watch the version called kidnap because it totally destroys the movie but watch okay rabbit dogs that's a great film uh he did a film called it's known as so many different titles as bay of blood or twitch of the death nerve it's essentially you know it's it's kind of a friday the 13th film before friday the 13th existed and there are scenes in it that were copied in friday the 13th part two uh, including a scene where a couple is making love in bed and they get uh, shish kebab by a, by a spear. Oh, they're uh, my favorite couple in part two. Well, <laughs> they're my favorite couple in the entire franchise. It, that came from Twitch of the Death Nerve, which I highly recommend. Um, it's an incredibly gory film, but it's it's a lot of fun, very tongue-in-cheek. Um, Black Sabbath, we mentioned, is fantastic. Um, there's so many different films. I mean, I honestly... I. I think uh, any any of his films you get an opportunity to see, I would recommend you give him a chance. There are obviously they're not all in the same tier. His he did a few westerns; they're not so hot. Um, but uh, you know his his other horror films, The Whip and the Body, uh, Blood and Black Lace, for example. There. That's terrific. the one I know. That's when we're talking about Bava. That's the one that does pop into my head. <laughs> Blood and Black Lace, yeah, well, I mean, that was kind of the uh, the template for the body count Jallo movies uh, that, that Argento became known for in the 70s. Um, that's a really terrific film, I think, so I highly recommend that, obviously. All right, well, Troy, thanks so much. We always appreciate, because, like we said, you can talk about this way more than we can. We're just going to go through the movie, so it's nice to get this background and these questions. We'd be saying, oh, we should ask Troy about this, and said we'll just bring you on and ask you, so we both really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk about him. And again, uh, you know, when you when you watch the film, I mean, bear in mind so many things that he's doing uh, are just, I mean, he, with no resources. You know, the coach moves in slow motion because he only had a very tiny soundstage. Uh, so you, you had to maximize that footage to make it go in slow motion, which is very dreamy and very effective. Um, things he does with matte paintings and trick shots with mirrors and stuff like that to make sets look so much bigger. Uh, and so much more impressive. It's it's really, really beautiful to see what he does. And uh, some of the gore effects and so forth, you know, they still hold up. I mean, they're, they're done mm -hmm. extremely well. And I think, uh, you know, my, my, my one big problem with the film is the English dub, which I think is very poor. Um, if you get a chance to watch the film in Italian, I think it works much better that way. But it's it's all about the visuals. So if you can just get on board with the visuals, it's a really really dreamlike and uh, wonderful experience. And where can people find some of your work on Mario Bava? Uh, on Amazon, uh, my book, The Haunted World of Mario Bava is available on there along with my other books. Um, I've done commentaries for a couple of Bava films or Bava related films. I did one for Hatchet for the Honeymoon. I did one for um, Danger Diabolic. 
and um, I did one for Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster, which I mentioned isn't entirely his, but it's mostly his. Uh, I'm actually going to be recording one for another one, a big one coming up soon, but I'm, I can't say the title yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, lots of stuff out there, and obviously uh, he's a filmmaker that hasn't continued to inspire me down through the years. I just find so much love in his work. Awesome. Yeah, I've been looking forward to be able to talk to you about this you know, since the first interview. So thank you for coming on again. Well, thank you for having me. All right. So that was Troy again. Thank you, Troy, for coming on. Always yes. appreciate it. I've been looking forward to talking to Troy about Black Sunday since our first interview. So that was awesome. <laughs> so you just want to get into this movie then? Yeah, let's go. I fucking love this movie. Black and white like 1960 it's like in that point of just like there are color movies but they're still doing black and white which i love so this one's right up my alley yeah i feel like it owes a lot not in a mean way but to the universal monster movies and everything well uh, that's kind of like what troy said about it being kind of like a universal movie like monster movie but also with the added like gore and it's updated to be in 1960 i was like why i love it it's gore and it's universal kind of yeah like it's that very like old almost wholesome horror feel to it but with like nails going through eyeballs yes especially here at this opening scene where it's our um two witches which i even i had a issue what was the guy's name javich yeah oh hang on here his first name's igor uh, Yav, Yavu, Yavuich, Yavuich. Okay. And then, Abs <laughs> I don't know, the subtitles didn't help me because they spelled it Javuich, so I'm like, <laughs> Yavuich. And, uh, Asa, I believe. Yes. I said Asa first. <laughs> well, the, they say, they pronounce it like that once or twice in the movie, if I'm correct. Oh, okay. But yeah, basically, um, they have been found guilty of being witches, and they're, what do you do with a witch? Burn him! <laughs> she, she must have weighed as much of as, as a duck. But, yes, we get the whole opening dialogue, and we learn about this brand of Satan, and so what they're doing is they brand people, uh, you're a witch, and then they burn them. <laughs> that's that's what they do. And it doesn't even look like, because they're like, we're brand you with the mark of Satan, and it's supposed to be an S, but it looks like a 5. And I'm imagining this is how Frank 5 got initiated into telling Steve Dave. I'm like, okay, now you need your brand. <laughs> <laughs> but she's up on the stake and about to be burned and everything, and she places a curse on Gragabi and all of his ancestors for all time to come. And then the title curse card comes up this where it still says mask of satan not black sunday because that was the other title and then she's about to be burned but a storm puts the flames out right. question brett sure do you have a witch and she's doing all the evil witchy things not like a cool witch like a real Very one but like an evil witch you know what i mean he's like yeah. kind of like eat the kids like in the witch and stuff fire fire okay and you're you have her up on the stake oh no the storm came in yeah wouldn't you just wait to do it again when the storm passes? Well, because do they even say anything about, like, they killed her? Don't Isn't it like we tried to burn her, and then that didn't work, so we just put her in the box and put her in there. Did they bury her alive? No, they must have killed her somehow, but it was not written. But I'm just saying, if I'm, like, 
this is my mortal enemy, this witch, yeah. and the only way to defeat her is to burn her alive, and it rains? I'm postponing that baseball game. We're just going to pick it up later. Oh, yeah, exactly. This is like the evil, like, entity, and you're like, Satan has come into your village. And you're like, oh, the weather's a bit bad, though. Meh, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, but that's We're that's good. all. It's just a fun little nitpick that I enjoy. I still like this movie a lot. Yes. Um, we get two centuries later card, and professor, <laughs> the professor and his young assistant, Andre, are taking a ride in a coach, and he's like, Coachman! Coachman! Take the shortcut through the spooky woods! And he's like, uh, no one uses that anymore, it's full of potholes. It's like, you're just afraid of the witch! <laughs> yeah, so they obviously know about the scary witch and everything. Yeah. Maybe don't just go the regular way. Even if there is no witch as full of potholes, which it clearly is, it's a bad idea. If anything, it probably slows him down. Yeah, exactly, because he's like, he gives him an extra shilling, because he's like, this way's quicker. But they make it like five minutes into the path, and a wheel falls off. Yeah, exactly. It just comes right off the carriage. Yeah. I love, too, where, like, they're going, and the driver's, like, stops. He's like, oh, that branch! That branch reached out for me! And he's like, what's reaching out for you? Is that vodka in your hand? Because he has a giant <laughs> bottle of vodka he's drinking. He just shoves it oh. back in his coat. He's like, Mur. I don't think there's any DUI laws on the books back then. Driving while horsing. <laughs> <laughs> but what you take the... Like we said, on the shortcut, he loses a wheel. So he's like, oh, it won't take me long to fix it. And they hear this crazy, frightening, foreboding sound. And Professor, I'm going to get this name, Kruvayan and Andre are like, well, let's go check out the scary noise in the haunted woods. Yeah, like we're going to go adventuring. You stay here and fix the buggy. They don't offer to help the man. They, that's why like these two are just like extremely rich and they're like extremely full of themselves where they're going to go trespass into this chapel and they go in and they find that there's this old organ and the wind blows through the tubes and that's what's causing the noise the old doctor just destroys the organ with his cane is knocks it all down um they go down to like because the door starts opening and closing they go down into the chapel where the witch is and just destroy everything they're like fuck it they're just beating it with their canes <laughs> so like when do you think that term was because like uh you know like in ancient egypt like archaeology not archaeology whatever it'll be called but like studies and stuff people used to be like mad disrespectful to the areas like oh this ancient tomb screw it chisel off the walls and sell it let's just destroy everything on our way down and now like it's you know like People studying these things are very careful as they go yeah. in and everything to preserve it. But there was a turn, like, where we switched to that. This is clearly pre that turn. They're just smashing <laughs> up this place. Oh, if they could grind the witch's body into, a, like, kind of medicine to give you boners like they did with mummies, they would have done it immediately. Oh, yeah, definitely. But they find her grave. <laughs> I guess this is like an ancient crypt or catacomb. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and, she's, like, buried in her, fam her family crypt. Which is weird, because they bury her in her family crypt, but they bury the guy witch in, like, unconsecrated ground with the murderers. Yeah, I, maybe she hasn't committed a murder yet? I don't know, and that's why? She's still a witch! That's fine. <laughs> but, so, her coffin is set up with, like, an open face, so her face can be... 
scene with a cross right above always facing her so that way if she would ever come back to life the cross would instantly be right in her vision would smart you know what i mean yeah Oh yeah, extremely smart. Hopefully no rich doctors come around and just start breaking things and stealing things. Yeah, Kruvion takes, what do they call it? The, the item thing, like this, not scroll, uh, but like... It's like a prayer-looking type thing. Like, it, I bet you it has like some kind of protective prayer on it. It also, like, later we find out it tells you how to defeat witches if they come back. Yeah, but he just takes that, and then... Dude, the size of this thing. A bat comes at him. But yeah. this is no ordinary bat, my friend. This is a corgi with wings. Yeah, this is like a f how giant fruit bats are. But it's also a one of the, it's a terrible bat. And that's coming from me who loves like Dracula where it's a bat on a string. It's so obviously a bat on a string, but they're like shit. It probably looks really bad. Just show the shadow. <laughs> Dude, the string had to be a chain for the size of this thing. <laughs> but he just starts wildly shooting around. He shoots it. He starts swinging his cane. He breaks the cross, which then breaks the glass. And um, the young doctor comes running back and is like, what's going on? Because he heard shots. And the old doctor's like, look, we can actually like fuck with the body now. Let's do that. <laughs> So, here's the other thing, too. Did you get a flashback to Dracula for a second with Morton? I did it, sir! I shot the bat! Yes! <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, they see the face and everything, and they're like, look, there's the mask, like, in the face of the devil, let's take it off. They remove the mask from her face that's obviously there for a reason. It was hammered into her face, which we didn't even touch upon much in the beginning. There's this crazy scene where they're just nailing this into her face there's like spikes yeah. on the other side and they remove it and there's blood spurting out of the eyes holes and the mouth hole and whatnot it's a fucking awesome for a 1960 movie oh yeah and they do even mention they're like she's 200 years old and she's barely decomposed yeah so you'd have to be like something might be up no we better fuck with it more steal the little prayer thing and read it and just stick it in your pocket because at this point, that's like, they fucked around with it enough. They're like, okay, we better get out of here. So the driver's like, it's ready. And then we go, uh, they go back up through the, up the stairs, which we uh, become very familiar with this crypt and these stairs throughout the movie. Then we have um, Katya, Barbara Steele, who also plays Again. the witch. And the first time watching this, I was like, is that the witch immediately? Because she looks evil. She has, like, two hellhound-looking dogs. Like, you know. Dude, I thought it was, like, a ghost. Yeah, exactly. Like, almost like, you freed me. Thank you. Yeah, also we should mention that, um... <laughs> I cannot remember his name to save my life. Kruvion cut himself and dripped blood onto her. Oh, yeah, they did everything horribly. Yeah, you know, Hellraiser style, so what do you think's gonna happen? Oh, that is very true, of this is kind of Hellraiser-esque, of she, the blood does bring her back, <laughs> and she talks later of, like, if I have all of your blood, I will be very strong. Yeah, it's definitely Clive Barker, I feel like, took a little inspiration from this movie. Yeah. They go and meet Princess Katya outside, and they're like, 
what are you doing in my family's old crypt? Like, oh, I'm sorry, we heard a noise and we thought our curiosity got the better of us and we wanted to explore the ruins. She is so gothy, melodramatic, yeah. and I love it. She's uh-huh. like um, Winona Ryder or Beetlejuice. I, too, am strange and unusual. She's like, everything is a ruin. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, she is, she's like early, like, goth. Of She's like all in black clothes. She has the, of course, jet black hair. She has those piercing eyes. Oh, her eyes are something else. And she's got, like, the flicked winged eyeliner, like, 80 years before that became a big thing. Yeah, like the cat eyes. Yes. But the coach is fixed, and they leave, and... The doctor took, like we said, this little art stone thingy from it. Yeah, and he's like, oh no, he's, and the old doctor's like, ah, it'll be a souvenir of the witch. Yes. So yeah, just take that for yourself. I'm sure it wasn't doing anything. Or it's not cursed at all. It was laying with a witch for 200 years, but yeah, it's yours now. We cut to Princess Katya playing the piano with her family, and they hear a real loud noise, and the painting of the griffin moves. Dude... This griffin, I thought, was a dragon the entire time. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the dad is terrified. The the, the entire time, their father is just like everything, like every little creak in the house. He's like, it's the witches! (laughs) (laughs) Look, the painting changed. I swear it. The griffin was facing that way before. The kids go to bed, and the father, the prince, is talking to his, like, butler, Yvonne. And Yvonne's like, just drink your hot toddy before it gets cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, just keep a cross near you at all times. So I'm sure there's nothing there. But he looks down into his toddy and he sees the mask in it. And of course he starts freaking out. And you know, this butler is just like, oh, God damn it. I almost had him in bed. Now he's all cranky again. <laughs> <laughs> Back down in the crypt, we see Oss's eyes start reforming. Yeah, in a way of it's like they're kind of reforming, but also there's like maggots in them now, it looks like. Do you know what the maggots were? No. They were rice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forget what the other, they used rice and something else. But like to give it that like nasty maggoty inside yeah. goop look, it's actually rice. So oh, that's not awesome. maggots or superworms this time. No, I, Phyllis, my bearded dragon, is upset. <laughs> Kruvion and Andre are at the bar, and Andre is fucking tanked. Oh my god, well, because they keep going on and on about, like, oh, this inn has the best vodka. And they just have, like, a gallon of it on the table. Are they just drinking straight vodka? Because, yeah, you're gonna be extremely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he is, and he's talking about how pretty that girl was earlier and everything, and Kruvion's like, I don't think you have a shot with the princess, but go on up to bed. He's like, cool, because the drunk younger doctor's like, I'm gonna have another drink, or another couple drinks, and I'm gonna march up there to that castle, and I'm gonna make her mine. Because <laughs> immediately, he saw her for like, and talked to her for like two minutes. Immediately, it's the love of his life. I mean, it's Barbara Steele, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I could see that too. She is, yeah, she's striking. <laughs> But the barkeep sends this little girl out to milk the cow. It's like midnight. Why are you sending her out to milk the cow? Did someone order milk at the bar? Is that what's going on? <laughs> well, who are the creepy, like, family from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and they're always drinking the, the hot milk? Yeah, it's the yeah. McPoyles are there. But um, this reminds me a little bit of The Witch, actually. 
of okay. She seems like she just got to the age of, okay, now you don't get to go run around and have fun anymore. You have to do chores all the time, just like the girl from The Witch, because she has to go out and milk the cow. Here in a little bit, she's doing laundry, and all the other kids are, like, running around her, but she can't, like, join in because she's working. So you feel bad for her. Oh, yeah, and she even, like, stops the one who tells her to go outside, stops the... Kruvion is like, do you think it's normal for a child to be afraid to go out? He's like, absolutely not. There's nothing afraid. She's like, but the cemetery! He goes, oh, the dead sleep quite soundly, I, I'm afraid to tell you. It's like, okay, now listen to the strange man. Go out by the creepy cemetery by yourself on the 200th anniversary of these witches' deaths. Go milk that cow. <laughs> now! <laughs> we cut back to Asa, and she says, Rise, Yavutich. That's how we say it. That's it. I knew I'd get there. Ah, Yavutich. Very nice. Good. And it is a very cool scene of his... It's, it's not like um Return of the Li- uh, Living Dead, let's say, where they crawl out of the casket and crawl up through the ground. It's almost like the entire casket is like brought up to the ground, to the very like surface, and then he like bursts out of it. Oh yeah, like the dirt swells and like yeah. lifts him out almost. It's really creepy, and I, I could almost see it as, like, a Plan 9 thing of the cops show up. They're like, but the, it looks like someone came out of the grave. <laughs> Dude, I think it looks sick, though. It's really yeah. well done. I do want to say that, like, you can tell that Bava was, like, a cinematographer, like, for a long time, because the set design, the camera angles, everything's done really well in this. Oh, yeah, he was the cinematographer on this one as well. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, but, yeah, that's what, um, this, the best thing this movie i think has going for it is its atmosphere it's so gothic and old like european feeling like the giant like windy castle that you know is just cold as shit like you can almost like experience it yourself just watching it yeah definitely but we see a slimy hand and he has the satan mask he takes the mask off and walks away yeah and he has it's cool when he takes it off because he has like cobwebs all over his face yeah, little bugs are crawled in between there. Yeah. Katya's father is in bed, and the wind blows through the castle, and all the suits of armor start falling. It's getting spooky, and Yavutich walks in and is about to attack him, but he's repelled with a cross. Oh, right. Is this, um... Oh, right, yeah, this is still the uh, male witch, that's correct. Because, yeah, the door opens, and it's like no one's there. And it's almost like Michael Myers appearing behind Laurie Strode, if he just appears in the shadow. Yeah, definitely. It's really cool and sets up a lot of stuff that'll be used in later movies like that. Constantine and Katya send for the doctors at the inn, because she met them earlier and remembered they're standing there. Because the dad, they think, is just going nuts and like having a stroke or something, the way he's talking and acting. Oh, dad, <laughs> dad got really scared. Go fetch the doctor. Yeah. Dude, I wish they would have got Andre with how hammered he is, because that would have been oh, a much yeah. more funny movie. Well, that it would have been, once again, it's the drunk doctor walking in, like, oh, what the fuck's going on? I'm fucking hungover. <laughs> Oh, from, like, Halloween 2? Uh, Halloween 2, Halloween 3. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Halloween! Yes. But uh, the grave guy, Yavutich, gets to him first on his gothic carriage that he's got. Oh, this is... I love this scene so much. Well, because, once again, the old doctor... That's just... I'm, it's old doctor and young doctor for me. Um... Kruvacon and Andre. Think Andre the Giant for the young one. Oh, yeah, that's true. 
um, Kruvion is, like, in the middle of the woods, like, throwing shit into a puddle. And the, uh, male witch, um, finds him and is like, yes, you're needed at the castle. And this is where we get the great, and it's super gothic and atmospheric of him, like, whipping the horses into, like, a frenzy. They're going, like, a million miles an hour, it almost seems. Um... It's a great upshot of the, like, male witch dude. They're also doing the thing, and I think it's just probably, like, extras running by with branches. But you just see, like, branches whipping by every once in a while. Oh, it looks cool. I wonder if that's what they did. It'll be, it's like poultry geist, where, like, that's the end scene when they're driving in the car. And you see the branches going by. It's just people ducking under the car and running by with them. So I guarantee yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. The, he brings him to the castle, but he leads him into this dark, scary part, which goes into the crypt from before, the familiar stairs you were talking about. Yes. And it's just, like, all this is connected. There's all these secret passageways through the castle and everything. And he walks up to Asa's and sees that the mask that was there is gone, and he can't get back out. The crypt shakes and explodes in a really awesome oh. shot. It's so cool. Well, because he looks at her and her, like, where her eyeballs would be are still, like, dark. So it's almost like, okay, the eye holes are still there. And he looks away and looks back real quick, and you see her eyes just staring at him. This is where he's like, oh, fuck. And like you said, we get the awesome, like, crypt just exploding around her. Which I don't know, like, I wonder if that was a miniature they did that with, or did they stick, like, a thing of dynamite in a prop? I don't know the practicality how they would have pulled it off, but it looks cool. Yeah, it looks really awesome. She goes, look into my eyes. I had a drop of your blood. I need the rest of it. He kisses her, and I guess this is like... They kind of play... I know this is a witch movie, but they also kind of play almost like with zombies and vampirism and a few yeah. other little elements mixed in here. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I know what you mean. But he kisses her, and then I guess is one of her minions now. Barbara Street Steele was laying there, and she's like, come over here and smooch me. It's like, okay, Barbara Steele. <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense. <laughs> Kruvion goes into the father-slash-the-prince's room, and he waves his hand over his face, and he falls asleep, and he tells the kids, the cross seems to upset him and is feeding into his delusions. You better keep that away. Oh, it's another uh, instance of... Oh, that cross, um, you better get rid of that immediately. And it's not yeah, like, oh, that's not, like, suspicious whatsoever. Also, this family knows it's the 200th anniversary. They said, like, on the 100th anniversary, the lookalike of the witch died, and now... Um, oh, and, and that's when the earthquake came that, like, broke open the crypt and everything. Right. And now Katya is, like, the exact spitting image of this witch and whatnot. Yeah. Constantine, I... Yvonne, the butler, and Katya all leave, and the doctor says he'll stay the night. The morning, he's dead, and his face is, like, burnt and nasty-looking, and the doctor is nowhere to be found. Exactly, right. And this is where it's, like, everyone is searching for the doctor. They go back down um, and find Andre, um, and they're like, well, he never came back to the inn. Uh, so he borrows a horse and goes back to the castle because he immediately is like, oh, he got summoned to the castle? I can go to the castle? That's where that girl is. <laughs> That's my inn. Yes. But on the way there, a bunch of kids find a body in the river, and it's Boris, the actual carriage driver's body, who's supposed to pick up the doctor. He's dead in the water. So, obviously, Yakuvich, 
Yavutich, damn, I lost it again. <laughs> he, he killed Boris and then took over for him. Yeah, this is where the young girl was, like, washing clothes in the stream, which there's also a body there, so she's just washing it in dead body, like, water. So she's like, God damn it, I have to do all these over again. <laughs> no, they just wear it, you know it. Yeah, they don't but care. He gets to the castle, and Constantine's telling him about, like, how fucking weird, um... Kruvion was the night before and everything, and like if he wouldn't have left, my father would probably still be alive and everything. But now Andre's gonna take over, and he finds a hole in the prince's neck, and like it was drilled in there, and right then caught you faints. And we have all this lovey music as Andre tends to her. Oh yeah, he gets to like pick her up and carry her to bed, and it's another one of the instances where they're like, "Open up Barbara Steele's shirt, <laughs> yeah. give her some air," you know that whole thing. Yeah, play with her boobs. That'll get the air going. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close. But the crowd at the castle shows up and tells them about Boris's disfigured body, much like how the prince's body is. And Andre questions the farm girl because she said she saw the carriage, and she points to the painting of man, this stupid name, Yavutich, and says it was him. Question on that. So yeah. they have paintings of Asa and Yavutich there and everything. Because, right. you know, especially royal families always hang paintings of the descendants and all that mm -hmm. stuff. If you kill your family killed them, though, for being witches, I could see keeping the paintings of its tradition. But maybe don't make them, like, the centerpieces? You know what I mean? Maybe down some dingy hallway that no one goes, okay, that's where the evil paintings go. It's like if one of the victims' families from John Wayne Gacy had one of his original paintings in their house. It's just like, oh yes, this is part of our family history. <laughs> yeah, you're not far off. Dr. Kruvion and Yavutich come through the fireplace door, and Yavutich is like, go. And we cut to Katya at her room as she's getting ready for bed, I think, and everything. And she sees a hand reach through the curtain and rightfully screams, Andre and Constantine come running in. She's like, I saw a hand, I saw a hand. They look, they're like, well, nothing's there. And then instantly, Brett, look, clearly yeah. there's nefarious things afoot. Here, the carriage driver and the prince both die in mysterious circumstances. She screams, she's like, there was a hand there. They come in, they don't see the hand. So, <laughs> Andre goes, Constantine goes, you must have imagined it. Andre's like, I'll get her a sedative. That's yeah. the only questioning there is. Like, nope, you didn't see it. Not one bit of maybe you made it up or show me more or let's look around the window. Nope. No. Put her to sleep. No, no, she's lying or she made it up and yeah, knock her out immediately. How, why is this woman awake? <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the hallway, Andre sees Kruvion, like, oh, what the hell? What's what's going on? I'm dealing with Where your you mess been? now. Yeah. yeah. And the doctor tells him to leave. This doesn't concern you, everything like that. And which is, I guess there's still a tiny bit of him in there of, like, well, I know, like, I'm a minion of evil now, but you really have nothing to do with this, so save yourself. Yeah, get out of here. Come on, why are you interfering in this? Get but out of here! <laughs> He drops the, like, thing he stole from the grave and everything, and Andre picks it up, and so this is going to be their big clue for later, as the doctor runs away, but they chase after the doctor towards, like, the fireplace area, and the two big dogs have been yeah. stabbed, and they die. The doctor's an asshole. 
they're like whimpering and stuff and they run over and they're all like, oh no, what happened? They're, they're, they're bleeding to death. It's like, God damn it, did you have to kill not one but two dogs? Yeah, what the f- I guess they would have showed where he went and everything. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're pointers. He, he went that away. <laughs> Next day, we get some relationship building between Katya and Andre in the courtyard. She's feeling hopeless about the situation. Yeah, rightfully so, because when you try to say what's going on, they just knock you out. But yeah. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I beg you to help me. They're hugging and everything. So they're going to be the couple. Inside, um, Yvonne, the butler, is just doing his thing, and the curtains by the fireplace catch on fire after a big gust of wind, and he puts them out but smacks into the... Brett, this name, I swear to God. (laughs) Yavunich. At least least you're trying, because I just say male witch. (laughs) Yeah, okay, they smack into the warlock's painting. Yes. And they realize there's a hidden, like entryway behind it has no one ever moved this painting or like taken no. it down to clean or something in 200 years it's just canvas on the wall because they rip through the canvas and the, it's right through to the hole so like it's not like there's a backing or anything to it it's a secret door it's just canvas that's there yeah <laughs> they go through it and they find this naked asa painting too which is even more confusing like okay <laughs> We've already established, no matter how terrible the people are, we still have to hang up their paintings, right, Brett? Right. Okay, but let's say the naked painting of the evil <laughs> relative, we're putting that in the catacombs. Oh, the other paintings look really well done. This one looked like it's like a sixth grader, and they showed him a naked picture of Barbara Steele, and he's just like, oh, boobies. And because nothing else is really that well done, like you can tell it by her face. And then it's like pretty shitty, and then it's just boobs. <laughs> but we also, Yvonne, who has stayed behind, is strangled and killed with a rope. And they get in, Constantine and Andre. Andre finds a completely healed Aza and sees her breathe. Oh shit. Yeah. Tells Constantine, get back to the castle, check on Katya, and. Andre and the priest are in the graveyard next. I don't know how we got here, but they're looking for Warlock's grave, and but he's in the castle because he scares Constantine, who's getting stuck in this maze, and pushes him into this trap door onto spikes, which you'd think would be an instant kill. Right. We'll get there later. Um, the priest and Andre find the mask of Satan in the graveyard, and... They open the grave for the warlock, and Dr. Kruvion's body is in it. Well, I like how Dr. Andre in this one is like, he's a doctor, he's a man of science. But yeah. he he notices and is willing to accept, like, some weird supernatural things are going on. So, let's go to the priest. How many of these movies it would be the um, doctor fighting the whole time of like, but I do not believe in such superstitions. He's, like smartly like well something fucked up's going on these people seem to know kind of about this i trust them kind of like a similar theme to another movie we're doing this month prince of darkness we kind of touch on some of that stuff exactly like the men of science dealing with the supernatural yeah but they put the cross on him on his forehead and it burns so they know it's too late for him so he stabs his eyeball in a wild shot Oh, it's great. Well, you have to pierce the left eyeball, and that sets their soul free. So the priest stabs the eyeball, 
and it like pops and like gets all over his hand and you get like a quick like you hear like screaming like the soul's escaping almost yeah it's really cool like yeah. and like the gusher of like spurts from the eyeball is really neat yeah i immediately thought of you uh, dude i told you that i'm kind of sad eyeball stuff used to really bother me i'm almost dis- i think i'm desensitized to it now no watch my oh that's cool we have to watch zombie here pretty yeah, soon i know and dude, that and hostel are the two i said that still would get me real bad yeah um, back in the castle, Katya finds Yvonne's dead body and starts running around panicking. And her dead father, who's being prepped for his funeral, wakes up and is all evil now. Oh, yeah. Well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because dead dad wakes up and is about to, like, kill her. And then um, Warlock comes in and immediately, like, kills the dead dad. Maybe he was going to take her life force for himself or something? Like, no, we need her for something else? I guess so, but it's like, I get. also, did they not bring him back? Do these bodies just come back if, like, you were killed by evil? Maybe. But we get a real cool melt effect, too, when they throw him in the fire. Yes. Oh, and the, this is, it's a quick early burn scene, which uh, immediately you think of, like, Kane Hodder and how awesome those were. And this is a quick little one, but there's a part where there's a person on fire. Yeah, and it looks good, too. Like, you don't see, like, the big burn suit or anything like that. And this is also where I think, um, when we were talking to Troy, he mentioned about House of Wax with Vincent Price. Um, and this part kind of reminds me of that, because it's, like, the face melting. Yeah, exactly. The warlock guy has caught you now and is giving her to Asa, and Andre breaks into the castle and you think, like, interrupts the ritual thing, but no, it doesn't work, because... Evil Barbara Steele grabs good Barbara Steele's hand, <laughs> and the age swapping begins. So you get what I mean? Like, she is, like, yes. reforming and coming back to her youth as Katya is, like, withering away. I immediately think of Hocus Pocus when they're like, we're young again! And there's like, well, younger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this has been done in a lot of things. It's cool looking, though. Yeah. Uh, we get Andre versus the Warlock fight, and it goes on, and... He's got him up against the ropes! Oh my god, he has a steel chair! <laughs> I mean, honestly, it goes on for a long time, because back down to the age swapping, Ozza tells Katya this was her life's purpose. This is the reason she is alive to bring her back. What a shitty thing to learn. Yeah, or this is why you're terrified of that painting every time you walk by it, because you knew you were just waiting for me to come back, because that is actually my body, that's not yours. You were just holding it for me. But I guess she's about to finish the job, however you do that, but the cross necklace that she's just noticed repels her away. Yes. Um, back upstairs with the fight, or I don't even know if it's upstairs or down the hall or somewhere in this, <laughs> the warlock is thrown into the spike pit and dies. But Constantine is pulled out by Andre, and he mutters, uh, save Katya, and then dies. How long has he been... Chillin' just impaled down there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I get maybe, like, when he was pulled off the spikes that opened his wounds and everything is why he died, but man, I feel like he was doing okay for quite a while. Well, that could be a part of it, too, of how many times have you heard if, like, you get stabbed, don't pull it out, leave it in. If you pull it out, that's when blood starts leaking out. Yes, and also if you're doing a stabbing, don't leave your knife in somebody. No. <laughs> that's bad advice I should cut that <laughs> but Andre finds Katya and 
goes to stab Asa's eye, but realizes there's been a ruse pulled on him. They did the switcheroo. Yeah, because he notices the cross on uh, the supposed witch's neck, and he's like, this is your cross, though, and he does the test, and he puts it to uh, the forehead, almost like Evil Ed and Fright Night. Yeah, and there's no burn or anything on the original one, and the other one, of course, burns, and we get this rib reveal where I guess yeah. he's not fully reformed and it looks really cool. And also at first I thought she was wearing a really cool gothy outfit, but no, it's like her insides haven't reformed completely yet. She's on her way to a misfit show. Yeah, exactly. But... It reminds me of like, cause in high school I had a shirt that was like, it said misfits on it. And it was like the rib cage. And I was in London. I was in the lunch line and the lunch lady goes, Oh, I guess we better start feeding you more. We can see your ribs. And I'm like, emo, <laughs> like, like super like, uh, like teenager. I just look at her like, fuck you. You don't even know about misfits. <laughs> But the mob breaks in at this point of all the townspeople with their torches and pitchforks, and they get Asa. He, Andre's like, "That's the true witch," and they grab her and take her outside. And they they set up a pyre really quickly. Oh. How fast are these people like at making a funeral pyre? They've been itching to burn another witch for like ever. They're like, "Holy shit, guys, it's ready! Witch time!" And like you said, within ten seconds, Pyre, she's tied to a ladder and burning. <laughs> yeah, and like he's in there, like Andre still with dead Katya, talking to the priest about how sad. Like, not only did she take her life, she took her beauty. Why is the bad things happen to the good in us and everything? But the right is off the light. Life. Yeah, I will never recover from this. Like, he's yeah. he's fully invested in her, and maybe slow down there a bit. But anyway, it works out. Tell me her last name. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think she, he actually does know, because I think she said. But oh. still. <laughs> exactly. Not the middle name. No. But right as Asa lights up, Katya comes back to life, because there can be only one. They kiss, and the end. Yay, it's a happy ending. And it does, like, I, I love the uh, the end that comes up because it's, like, the creepy, like, drippy letters. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, over the happy scene. Yeah. Man, what a fun time this was. Oh, love it so much. Love the atmosphere of it. Perfect movie to watch in October. So glad we covered it. Oh, definitely. All right. Any final thoughts on it? I don't think I have anything else. Um, I'm glad we finally got around to it, and I'm glad you finally watched it. Yeah, me too. You've been telling me about this one for a while. I think this was a cool mix of, like, old and new. I mean, yeah. I know it's an old movie, but, like, the theme, like, and the gore and everything like that, and, like, some of the themes, like, it takes on feel more modern or yeah. what we get, like, 80s and beyond, whereas the aesthetic and everything like that is so spooky and old school looking. It's a nice, happy blend. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into the Count of the Dead. The Throbbing the World Count of the Dead is where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. Where do you think we got with Black Sunday? I believe there are five. You believe there are five? I think. Well, back to your tricks. Off by one. It is oh, six. Damn it. Yeah, six deaths. I'm not going to list them all off because that's annoying. But... Yeah. Let's see, I went to go do it again. Nope, six deaths. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that's Greg's Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. Now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. <laughs> <laughs> 
So basically, I take something from the movie and I rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Now come up with that thing right now. Okay, I have one. Let's do Doctors. Doctors? Okay, that's a new one. Yes. Um, so a number one version of a doctor, the worst kind of doctor, is a doctor that's drunk and he comes into work anyway. <laughs> Halloween 2, Halloween 3. <laughs> Dr. Dan Chalice. Yeah. He has the Archenemy of the Witches. <laughs> he has a six-pack <laughs> under his doctor coat. <laughs> okay. Um, a num- number 10 version of a doctor, the best kind of a doctor. He shows up to work sober and does his job well. He doesn't fuck the his the uh girl the that he's trying to oh where's my dad oh for, forget about that let's have sex. <laughs> I love Halloween three. So do I. Um, I'm gonna give Black Sunday eight doctors out of ten. I like it a lot. Um, it's not quite like a ten, of course. There's like I love slow draggy movies, especially like this kind, but. That's also a part of it is it will take a couple things off of it because it does slow and drag at times. I love dialogue, but it can also take away from it a little bit, even though that's a lot of what this movie is, and I love it. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty much right there with you. I went seven Doctors out of ten. Basically the same reasons you said I like it a lot. There's things to be improved on, but man, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you can probably see now why it's like, oh, this is a good like, Halloween, getting in the mood pick. Of, like, you watch this at, like, midnight. Oh, yeah, this fits into Throbtober perfectly. Yeah. Alright, that's all I got on Black Sunday, man. That's all I got, so we hope that Black Sunday has left your brain throbbing with horror. Ah, it seems you've survived another fright. Be sure to look for the Throbbing with Horror pumpkin on all of your favorite social medias and local newspaper headlines. Rate us five stars on your favorite podcast platform, or else. Subscribe for more tantalizing terror, and be ready for the new fear next week, if you dare.